stand with me as I take you to the book of Jude. Verse 24. In fact, let's start with verse 23. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. This is our text verse today. Now unto him that is able to keep you and me from falling and to present you and I faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, Holy Spirit, I know that you have come specifically today to speak, Lord, to our souls. God, we're grateful for the salvation that we have. May this next few moments, God, be life-changing for all of us. May you remind us, God, what we have is so fragile. And Lord, may we hold on to it until the sounding of the trumpet. Now, Holy Ghost, be the preacher that I know you are. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be seated. The Lord is so wise in when he knows what he wants to speak, he will create an atmosphere for that. And uh, each way that God likes to talk to us, he will come at us in, in different waves. And so uh, I preach this message today with nobody in mind, so please don't take it that way. And I would hope today that we would not feel that God is by any means condemning us. But uh, this message, God... I think it was Monday, began to just turn over my spirit. And I think that all of us, as we would look back through the halls of our memories, can think of somebody that will fit what I'm going to preach today. Uh, Monday, received a phone call, and... Um, you know, there are, and I think we would all agree with this, that there are some people that are in leadership or in ministry, whether nationally or in a smaller scale, that if we heard that they fell, we wouldn't be surprised because we, we see signs, we know their, their life. And in fact, there are many people today in ministry that have already fallen, but just have not been removed. Like Saul. God allowed Saul to stay as king until he could finish the work in the man that got Saul's anointing. And so there are many today that we will 
see removed in the months and few years to come because they've already fallen. They've just not been uncovered. And this is one of the things that hurts the body of Christ so much because I read you the verse that says to hate even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. And so uh, in this phone call, we were told that somebody that I had great confidence in, I love very dearly, we've invested in them. And it was sent us a picture of a muck shot, had really fallen in sin with drugs and domestic violence. And if you would have told me to name 100,000 people that I thought would not make it, their name would have never been on that list. And it just rocked my world. And my heart broke because you just, to see something like that just so grieves you because you see them in such purity and you see the hand of God on them and you look at them and you think, God, how did that happen? I remember as a boy when my father became missionary in the Indian Reservation and he assumed the pastor of a church from another man who had been there, started that church, had really done a tremendous work amongst the American Indian community there and had fallen. And I remember as just a young boy uh, seeing the annual festival that they had. I remember seeing Brother Alden so drunk that he could not hardly walk. And even as a boy, when I saw that, it so grieved my spirit because you see them in one way full of the Holy Ghost. And then you see the ugly side. You will always fall farther the second time than where God rescued you from the first time. But the Bible bears that out. He said, when a man who has been demon-possessed is set free, if he falls back into sin, more demons will come back the second time than the first time. And I know this for a fact, that when a believer who has tasted of God and been exposed to the glorious presence of the Lord and has sat in services like this and walked with God and God has walked with them and there's been a relationship when they fall. And also, I want to say it is possible to come back. All right? I don't, want to, I don't want you to think that just because somebody falls that they're forever lost because we don't believe that. I believe in the power of the blood and the power of repentance. But I know this about God. He makes it a lot harder to come back the second time than it was the first time. You can take somebody that has been so steeped in sin <laughs> put him in a service where the presence of God is. And just a minute or two, they say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Forgive me my sins. And boom. Yeah. 
brand new creation. God embraces them and holds them dear to him. And from that moment on, there's this wonderful union between them and God. It's, it's almost like a marriage that has an adulterous occurrence in it. That when that marriage is restored, it takes time to rebuild the trust. And so I felt challenged in my spirit today to talk to all of us, including myself. Don't take for granted the walk of God that you have. Because just because you're strong in the Lord doesn't mean you cannot fall. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the fragileness of this walk that we have with God. Because gifts don't guarantee you from falling. In fact, many times the worst thing that ever happened to a person is they were born with a great gift. And it allows them to bypass some things that many of us would have to endure because the gift opens doors. Just because someone is excellent in a gift in the service or in the church does not necessarily mean that they are strong spiritually. And what you and I have today, hallelujah, is a gift from the Lord. It is a privilege to be able to walk with God. But if you're not careful, somehow the enemy can sneak in on you through the back door and you wake up one day and you go, oh, how did I get here? We become arrogant when we begin to think that we are infallible. This preacher could fall, but by the grace of God. It doesn't matter how anointed I am. It doesn't matter how much revelation God would give me. If I do not guard my heart, if on a daily basis I am not cognizant that I am a mortal man that lives in a fleshly body that needs the glory of the Lord and the power of God to sustain me, I would fall. But praise be unto God who was able to keep you and I from falling uh, and to present us not barely in by the skin of our teeth, uh, but to present us faultless, faultless, faultless before the glory of his presence. First Corinthians 10, 2 talks about this. He says, let not the man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Every day, there should be a focus on the fact that you and I need Jesus. I remember talking to a minister who had fallen to adultery, blew up his marriage, blew up his possibilities of the future, which were very, very great. 
and he wrote a letter, and in it he said, I got so busy with ministry that I forgot to nurture my relationship with Jesus. This is what happens when people get so distracted, become so busy. They did a poll on ministry in America, and the number one priority they all listed was prayer. But then when they had put, put down what they actually did in priorities, prayer was like number eight or nine below counseling and all kinds of things. You cannot survive. You will fall if your relationship with God is not guarded. Years ago, I was preaching for a pastor who told me this story. He said, a friend of mine who had a great church. And he said, the church was growing, and over the process of time, a, a beautiful couple, younger couple, joined the church and really wanted to connect and be involved. And uh, the wife really got involved in Sunday school and a uh, very attractive lady. And, they were just at everything involved in helping the church mature and function. And he said, pastor said, I was at home one day and my phone rang and it was this lady. And she said uh, they were going to have a huge uh, Sunday school picnic at a park there in the city. And she said, uh, I forgot at the church my material for tomorrow's class. And I know you're still there. Would you grab it and would you drop it by my house on the way to the picnic? And he said, the Holy Ghost told me, don't do that. You have to stay in a place where you can hear the voice of God. Nobody backslides overnight. You don't. In fact, the Bible says in the last days, the day that you and I live in, because sin shall abound, the love of many, not a few, the love of many is going to grow cold. One of your wake-up calls should be that your prayer life begins to deteriorate and your hunger for the word begins to wane. You say, then what do I do? Go on a fast or something. And not a Daniel's fast. You ever see those things where lose, lose weight and eat all you want? Take this pill, lose weight all you want. That's kind of like in a church. Go on a Daniel's fast, but fast. Fasting is supposed to make you hungry. Eating fruits and vegetables is going to fill you up. One of the problems in the church today is we, we take the sacrifice out of the church. I don't have any problem with abstaining from certain things, but when you fast and pray, some things happen. And this is why we fast is because it crucifies the flesh. Whenever you begin to feel the enemy begin to attack you on a certain area,
Always remember this. Whatever God delivered you from, if you fall, you will go back to it. It won't be something new because the enemy already knows your propensity to weakness. And so he will bring that back. But when you fall back into it, it's much worse the second time. He said, I got in my car and I grabbed the stuff and headed to the house. And he said, again, the Holy Ghost told me, don't do this. He said, I did it anyway. And when I knocked on the door, he said, she opened the door with no clothes on, completely naked, wrapped her arms around me and kissed me. And he said, I don't know how it happened, but he said, I fell into adultery. The Holy Ghost could see in the house what he couldn't see. So the Holy Ghost told him, don't do it. The Spirit of God in all of our lives to protect us People say, well, we went through a red light. It's not really red lights. It's when you go through the cautions. It's the yellow lights that will eventually make you run the red light. And God, thank, I thank God out of all of the things that I have in my relationship with the Lord, the one I'm most thankful for is conviction. I've literally at times felt something begin to pull and my hands would begin to shake because I could feel the Holy Ghost being grieved and it was so profound that I knew that I've got to back off and begin to get a hold of the Lord. Cautions are from the Holy Ghost. And in the hour that we are in, we have become so dull that one day we wake up and we wonder, God, how did I get here? How does a man who at least five times wrote, bless the Lord, oh my soul, kill a man and then crawl in bed with his wife and not be convicted? It's because somewhere he fell and didn't realize it. Say, so how did David, because when David should have been on the battlefield leading Israel, he was staying home on the balcony. At the end of the day, all that matters is if when you hear the trumpet sound, that you can say, I made it. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for this church. But this isn't my joy. Hallelujah. It's going to bed every night and getting up in the morning and realize I'm saved. And I know that I am. That if the trumpet sound today, I'm going home. It doesn't matter how many people's in our church. It doesn't matter how good I can preach. What matters if me and Jesus are all right and there is a vibrancy in our relationship with the Lord. Guard your role with God. One of the worst sayings that we use is, well, everybody's doing it. I'm almost everybody's going to hell. 
I preached you the word last week. Straight is the gate, and few there be that find it. What I'm saying is, where you and I are in God, hold on to it. Guard it. Nurture it. Jesus will talk to you about things in your life. He'll warn you about things. He looked at Peter. He said, Peter, he said, the devil wants you. I can tell you right now, if Jesus showed up at my house and said, the devil wants to sift you, I'd be saying, tell me what I can do. So here they are close to crucifixion, and Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said, you're going to be offended because of me. In fact, let me see what, I think I wrote down the word offended here. That's what it meant. He said, it literally means fall away. He said, many of you are going to fall because you're not going to be able to stand with me what I'm going to go through. Goes back to the scripture that says, when a man thinks he standeth, take heed. None of us are infallible. But for the mercy of God. Think back for a moment. How many people do you know that don't serve the Lord today that used to? I've been around ministers that have fallen, and it's so painful. You hear cursing come out of their mouth. They're standing there with a cigarette, or they're drinking a beer, and I remember them preaching and it's so painful. And I look at that and I think, God, keep me. Help me to guard my life. And he looked at Peter and he said, many are going to fall. Peter looked at me and said, I tell you right now, everybody else can fall, not me. Lord looked at Peter and he said, and I can tell you right now, for the rooster crows three times, you will fall. Peter said, though all others. One of the tricks of the enemy is that he can lull us into a false sense of security. He said, but pastor, you know, we don't. We're strong in the Lord, but can I tell you that from the beginning of time down through history, there have been men and women that have had your same nature, your same strengths, your same weaknesses, and the devil got them. And he knows what works. And so the enemy will come after you through the back door. This is why 
you can't just guard the front door. You got to guard the back door. It doesn't matter how big a lock you got on the front door, the enemy will come in like a thief in the night because all he's after is your soul. If you could walk through hell this evening and you could look at the hallways, you know, there are, there are homes, men that are big trophy hunters and you walk through their house and on the walls are these trophies of, and they'll say, I got that one in Africa. See that line right there? That line almost got me, but I got him at the last moment. And they can tell you the story about that one. But in the spirit realm, hell is lined with trophies where the enemy will say, see him? That was one of my biggest ones. That man was going to win millions to Christ. That woman was going to shake the world with the anointing in her singing. But I got him. I got him. I got him. May you and I never hang on the hallways of hell. May the enemy never get us. May you and I make the devil so terrified that out of our spirits comes a sound of worship and praise. May, hallelujah, at the end of the day when the trumpet sounds, we're going to look at each other and say uh, I did not fall uh, I made it I made it it's not he who runs the swiftest uh, but it's he that endures to the end how does a man that walk with Jesus in this next moment curse and make an oath that I don't know him. I believe this story was in the Bible. <clears throat> really, it's a story of mercy. Because he went out and he wept bitterly. And across the courtyard, Jesus and Peter locked eyes. And Jesus knew for this man to be who I need him to be. I've got to break his arrogance and his trust in his own strength that on that great day he will say, not I, but Christ in me. Hallelujah. I guess I've every day interceded for my friend that has fallen. Today I said, Lord, there may be nobody else that prays for him. But I stand in intercession for his soul. Not that you would give him his ministry back necessarily, but oh God, that he and I could spend eternity together by the presence of the Lord. There's nothing more important that you and I would walk through the gates. Doesn't matter, hallelujah. I love the Isaacs, and you sing all over the world, but what I want is you and I to walk together Hallelujah, on that great day and say, we made it, we made it, we made it. He that endureth to the end. We get lulled to sleep because we get in the routine of being a Christian. And part of the problem is we, we surround ourselves with like people. 
when we get together, we're not all sitting around telling dirty jokes, or at least I hope not. <clears throat> we're not all drinking mixed drinks and dropping a line of Coke. But we're having a good time. We got we got coke and we got different things and cake and we're having a good time and talking about the Lord and what happens is we get used to being a Christian. We get used because we don't go to the nightclubs and we don't watch all the stuff that's out there and we don't have unclean friends. But can I tell you, when you think you're all right, you still got to go to the Lord from time to time and say, oh God, shine thy light upon me. Let the word of the Lord uncover my soul because it's not easy to get in. But once we cross over, never ever again. Will you and I have to fight the enemy? All oh, that we might live triumphantly by the power of God. It isn't easy to be a Christian in this hour. There's, there's too much. That's funny. I was telling my son, I said, when I was a boy, Boy, it just sounds ancient. I said, when I was a boy, we didn't have TV. And then when I was real young, TV came along. It was three channels, black and white. And you had rabbit ears and you had tinfoil. And, it, you know, the thing went off at midnight playing the Stars Bangle Banner. We had no cell phones, <clears throat> no computers, no video games. Even sinners live lives that were better than a lot of Christians today. We didn't have the problem with sexual identity. We didn't have the problem with homosexuality. Abortion had not yet been legalized. <clears throat> so there wasn't, there weren't as many demons loose in the earth. I'll tell you right now, there are no demons in hell. Every one of them is loose in the earth right now. But even as a believer, it doesn't matter which way you turn, you're being inundated with sin. G-rated movies, Disney movies, may God curse that company. I make no apology for that. May Disney go bankrupt for standing for such ungodliness and filth and going after our children to destroy them, putting, taking our old stories, turning them into filth with transvestites and everything else. May you go bankrupt. Oh, God, open the heavens of judgment on these companies uh, that go against the very precepts of the Lord. Uh, we have to be a church uh, that is black and white, that stands for the righteousness of God. I want to speak to the men in this house. Don't think that you can't fall. Somebody made a remark to me about my message last week, women dressing like hookers. I don't apologize for that. What is it? Did our women get rid of mirrors? 
I don't want to see this on a platform. I don't want to see your underwear underneath your dress. There needs to be modesty in the house of God. Women, don't cause the spirit of lust to get loose in the men in the house of God. Be modest and dressed appropriately. And for you mothers that got teenage daughters, you need to tell your daughters how to dress instead of living vicariously through them. And they do dress so provocatively. When we come into this house, this is a holy house. This is a house of righteousness. You guard yourself and you guard the presence of the Lord. What we need is some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost preaching again, uh, beginning to declare that we need to come out from among them and be ye separate uh, and to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Let me talk to the men in this house. Better men than you have fallen to pornography. Statistics say that over 60% of ongoing ministry today has a problem with pornography. That's the preachers on your platforms. How did that happen? Took the presence of God for granted. For God to go into the holiest of holies. Because I can tell you, when you get in the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden God will shine a light upon you. And you begin to see, I need to get rid of that spot. Oh, I didn't know that was there. What is that? God's trying to keep you out of hell. Trying to keep me out of hell. That we are not dirty, but we are clean. Most of your commercials... Have sex in them. Hell is targeted our men. Almost every reality show is like that. If you can't control it, then turn it off. Get rid of your cable. Get rid of HBO. But you've got to clean your house to where the glory of the Lord can fill the sanctuary. Preacher, why are you telling me? Because anybody can fall. You can be strong today and wake up and find out you're feeling the flames of hell. No, we're going to feel the glory of God. How does a man who God picked to be a king and the glory of God came on him in such strength that he stood and prophesied become the same man that's talking to a witch because he says, God won't talk to me anymore. Oh, God never stop talking to us. I don't care what God has to say. Just keep talking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I consider it a privilege to walk onto this platform 
And to my knowledge, I've never walked onto this platform knowing that I had unrepented sin in my life. Have I messed up? Yes. But I've dealt with it in the spirit of the Lord. And I can tell you that if we want to change the world, we got to be righteous. Hallelujah. It's not about your gift. It's about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you and Jesus all right today? Judas was probably, historically they say, the oldest of the disciples. John lived longer, but Judas was the oldest of them. A lot of the disciples that Jesus called, he called while they were teenage boys. We have a tendency to think, you know, they're grown 30, 40-year-old men. They weren't. They were teenage boys. Peter and John working with their dad in his business. Andrew, same thing. Uh, or James and John, and then Andrew and Peter. And <clears throat> Jesus picked Judas, not because he knew the prophecy that someone would betray him. He picked Judas because he saw potential in him. And Judas watched Jesus do incredible things. He was there on the Mount of Beatitudes as Jesus preached. and He was there that day when Jesus made some mud and finished the creation of an eye. He was there when he watched Jesus raise the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He was in the boat when Peter and Jesus walked on water. And I think Jesus loved Judas. How do you go from being in that to saying, Hail, Master, and betray him with a kiss. He ignored the cautions. See, as I'm just talking about how God deals with me. But <clears throat> when God first convicts you about something, it's really strong. I mean, it's almost like he hits you with a sledgehammer. Boom. You know it's wrong. And the Holy Ghost is saying, stop that. But if you resist, the next time it's not quite as strong, then the next time it's not quite as strong until eventually you don't feel bad about it. So then you think it's all right. No, it's just that God decided not to talk to him anymore. That's what he told Judas. In that room that night, he said, nowhere does it say that Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, Jesus is going to betray me. So guys, let's gather around Judas and let's just really intercede right now and pray for him. You know what he said? Go do what you got to do quickly. He didn't try to bring him back. The conviction of God is the most important thing you'll ever have in your life. We're a very unique church, and to my online church, we're very unique. But I hear 
I want to spend time with you in eternity. Sunday. Hold on to where you are. Don't let the enemy trip you up. Don't think because I'm all right and everything's going good that I can't fall. One of the most, some of the most visual ministers in the last 20 years, we watched them fall. One of them was one of my heroes, great, great preacher. And yet to watch the brokenness. You think, how could that happen? He made this statement. He said, I will come in from crusade so tired and get in at one in the morning to sit down in my recliner to relax and surf. And he said, go buy things that I knew I shouldn't watch. And then pretty soon I was standing there a little bit. And pretty soon I was staying there a long time. Until eventually that spirit got a hold of him. Hear me, it's all right to be tempted. That means you're human. Doesn't mean you're not strong spiritually. If you're breathing, you're going to get tempted. But you need the Holy Ghost to be strong in you. That when the enemy comes in, the power of God in you says, not him, not her. But you're going to be powerful in the spirit of the Lord. None of us would be able to live without the presence of God, I don't think, at this time. Judas could not survive it. Paul said this. Most powerful man in the Bible in the New Testament. He said, I bring my body under authority, under subjection to Christ, lest while preaching to others, I myself become a castaway, which means rejected. If Paul understood that I got to deal with me, I got to value me my walk with God. He said, Pastor, how do I stay strong? Court Jesus. My wife and I have been married 35 years, and we still have passion. Why? Because we work on our marriage. We have date nights or date lunch. I buy our flowers. We communicate. We work hard to keep ourselves presentable. And yet when it comes to Jesus, people just fall into this casual relationship. Ah, oh, he knows I love him. But listen, if you really, Jesus said, if you love me, you walk in my commandments. 
You know what we're doing? You know what you do when you get up and you take quality time to pray? You're courting Jesus. Say, hey, husband of my soul, just wanted to tell you that. I'll be busy today, but I couldn't start my day without taking some time to say I love you. I want you to know, Jesus, that while I'm working through the job today, that I'll be thinking about you because you're important to me. I want you to know that I couldn't live without you. And oh, I pray that my life today would be a blessing to you. And Jesus just looks it over some of those old disciples in heaven and says, I like that. Hallelujah. And you know what? That's when heaven opens and the blessings of God begin to come on your life because you're making Jesus a priority. I tell the Lord, I say, God, I know I was praying this morning. Which I said, God, you created me, and I just wanted to come today and tell you, you're the breath that I breathe. Hallelujah. And you're the very cause of my existence, that your joy becomes my joy. And oh, how how can I bless you today? I'm asking you today that when I preach that I would lift you up, Jesus, and that you would draw all men unto you. God is looking for some men and women that will walk through the hell backwards with their hair on fire and tell the devil I belong to Jesus. That put value on your walk with the Lord. I know we're strong. What I'm trying to tell you is nobody thought they would fall. Nobody thought they would fall. You are not as strong as you think you are. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the problem is, the longer you serve God, if you fall, you affect so many more people. I think of dads that have failed today that I knew whose sons never served the Lord because at that critical age when dad turned on God, those kids needed to be in the house of the Lord. Kaya Bobo Sunday. Hallelujah. Your walk with God is not just about you. No man is an island unto himself. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God, may every person in this building today feel the impact. Guard your life. Guard your soul. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. The last two weeks, I would hope this message would be perceived different from last week. I know that this church is going somewhere. We're on a rapid pace of God taking us somewhere. But in the midst 
of being part of this church. Don't let the enemy trick you into becoming lulled to sleep. And you wake up one day and you say, how did I get here? I remember a few years ago, a lady, <clears throat> which I, I still don't understand how people like snakes. <clears throat> I killed a, an adult copperhead uh, last week. I was out praying and I just happened to look down. I was about ready to step on a, an adult copperhead snake. And it was hot, and I was sweating, and immediately I had goosebumps and uh, found a big stick and uh, killed him. <clears throat> and if you know anything about me, I can't kill anything, but I can kill a snake. <laughs> but uh, a lady had a, it was a python, I think, and she had taken it to the vet. And she told the vet, she said, lately this, my snake has been crawling up the bed with me and just stretching out alongside of me. And she thought, you know, it's just so neat that he wants to be with me. <clears throat> and the veterinarian told me, he said, lady, he said, that snake ain't in the bed because he likes you. He's measuring you. Keep him out of your life. Say, why would you preach this message? Because in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. That's a process. Man, I feel a mandate of the Lord today. Hallelujah. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be successful. But don't get so busy managing the blessings of the Lord that you forget your relationship with Jesus. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Thanks for tuning in. For more information about KCM International or Regeneration Nashville, go to KentChristmas.org or RegenerationNashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.